SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody. Hour number two of the early line right here on SportsGrid. I'm Dane Martinez. I'm joined, as always, by my main man, Kevin Walsh, as we put the fun in functional sports content, hopefully giving you what you need, all the information, all the insights to have it be a profitable day in the sports world. Kev, let's turn our attention to baseball and see what happened yesterday. And we need to start with Chicago White Sox stud young pitcher Lucas Giolito, who performed last night the best pitching performance of the year the first no hitter of the year as the White Sox win four nothing Giolito with 13 K's as well truly a big time effort from Giolito and the White Sox and it reminds me Kev we have a poll question up today if you want to engage with the show you can do so at spit and speeds at the Kevin Walsh with our poll at sports grid on Twitter the question Major League Baseball What's actually the harder accomplishment to do what Lucas Giolito did last night and pitch a no hitter to hit for the cycle, which almost happened earlier this year. But I think I got two triples and didn't get the double hitting three home runs in a game, maybe in this crazy era of three true outcomes that becomes a little bit easier. Or is it stealing home? which in this era of baseball may become a little bit harder because running hasn't happened. If you want to get in on the fun, you could always vote in that poll. But Kev Giolito did the deed yesterday for the White Sox who stay in contention after their 4-0 victory. So as this was happening, I, yeah. you know, I started to have a conversation with someone about the Nationals are very lucky to have won the World Series because if not... <laughs> We would really talk about some just awful moves by this team. I mean, they traded Giolito, who was the number one pitching prospect in baseball, not like in their organization, like in baseball for Adam Eaton straight up. And like yeah. Adam Eaton at the time was a fine player. Like forget the fact that Adam Eaton got hurt immediately for that team and is like, right. like forget all of that. Like he's just a fine player when they made the move. Like, then you think about the fact that they just let Bryce walk and then they let Randone walk. Like, very lucky that that team won a world. Not lucky. I mean, they, they got the job done. But, like, them winning that World Series saved them from a world of criticism. And that's the thing about Lucas Giolito getting the, the job done here is we don't, I mean, personally, because there's been some no-hitters, right? We are like, that guy got a no-hitter? Man, that's wild. Who would have thought that? Like, Lucas Giolito, like, you hear people like, oh, Lucas Giolito's first career no-hitter. And I heard that. I'm like, yeah, well, what, 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 three? Like, he's, he's so young. <laughs> then you think about it, and you're like, you know what, though? Wouldn't surprise me if I hear Lucas Giolito's second career no-hitter. You know what? Like, he's because he yeah. does have this kind of pedigree, and he's certainly putting it together now. All right, so let me ask you this, Kev, because I agree with you, right? How would you vote on this poll? What's the hardest to do? Pitch a no-hitter, hit for the cycle? Hit three homers, three bombs in a game, or uh, steal home? Because like I know you can get your 10,000 steps in, so maybe stealing home. Thank you. Like, it's definitely it's definitely not the cycle. I mean, the fact like that that buddy just kept running a third, like, I get it. But, like, I'm parking it on <laughs> second, and I got the Take cycle. the cycle, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I know Mookie had a three-run home run game already this year. And, like, when you think about it, like, someone has a three-home run game, you're like, oh, okay, cool. The answer, see, this is it. Like, at the end of the day, it's got to be. A no hitter, 
Because when a no-hitter happens, like, you turn the TV on. You're like, oh, that's amazing. But I watched last night. Someone actually stole home last night in the game where uh, the Mets were playing the Marlins as we welcome in our radio audience across the country to the early line right here on the grid, especially those out on the West Coast with the mightier 1090. But I watched someone steal home against the Mets. It wasn't that hard because the Mets are a complete clown show. Like, the guy lobbed (laughs) the ball back to home, and then the guy ran. Right. Still was dead to rights. Oh, the delay bounced off the ground. Just it was all terrible. So like the answer just kind of has to be a no hitter. You have to get twenty seven outs. Like it's very very hard. Like stealing home, you can benefit off Jerus Familia and Sanchez (laughs) behind the plate, not knowing what's going on. All right, fair enough. Well, you know, let's zoom out a little bit. The White Sox get another win, and now the White Sox, after 30 games, Kev, and I mentioned 30 because that is the nominal halfway point of this 60-game season, the White Sox are now six games over 500 at 18 and 12. And I got to tell you something, Kev, you know how we talk about that NL West as having multiple teams that are like above 500 could get a lot of teams into the playoffs? The AL Central is that in the American League, okay? The White Sox now tie the Cleveland Indians for second place in that division, and the Indians won last night as well behind Shane Bieber and his 10 strikeouts yesterday, Kev, as they beat the Minnesota Twins to close the gap. We now have Minnesota, Chicago, and Cleveland in a dogfight at the top of the AL Central, all within two games of each other. Yeah, the nice thing, though, for all of these teams is, is that they're all going to make the playoffs. We have seven of the eight spots in the American League done. Like, think about that. Like, yep. now I know people might be like, oh, be careful. Like, you don't know what's going to happen. No, I get that. But, like, again, we've made this point a thousand times. I'll make it a thousand and one. Look at the playoff probability for these teams. Like, yeah. if you round up, they're all above 90%. We're talking about the three central teams. A's, Stroh, yep. Rays, Yankees. So it's just yep. one of those things that, like, awesome for the White Sox. They're going to keep pulling this out. But now what really happens is people go, ooh. And they made this point in the broadcast. Giolito, game one, tough out. Like, that's really mm-hmm. what we're talking about here. Yeah. And that's the thing. When we expand to eight teams in each side, I think that's going to happen in a number of places, Kev, right? Because these teams that are, say, five, six, or seated seven, will they have a legit ace that they can throw and be live in their game? The answer is yes. Okay, we could go through them, and we know the names, but you're right. Seven out of the eight spots in the American League look set. Which one of these 500 teams will poke their head up? We will talk about it more when we come back. We keep talking Major League Baseball right here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here on the early line, giving you the edge on SportsGrid. Kev, you know what's interesting? We've been looking at... um, the NL West a lot. I think the AL Central is competitive. Over the break, you made an interesting point how like the Yankees actually have the fewest amount of games played in the entire American League because they've drawn the short straw. You know, they they had that whole series against the Mets, the Subway Series over the weekend because one Met player and one Met coach tested positive, right? Remember early in the season, that very beginning when there was that Marlins outbreak, the Phillies were um, kind of affected 
And then the Yankees were supposed to play in Philadelphia, so they messed it up. I think they now have to play. And then the game got canceled with rain yesterday. They have to play something now like 35 games in 31 days. So a lot of these teams are having it stack up against each other, but no more than the NL East, right? Like that is the division because now the Mets have had a pause. You know about the Marlins pause and these teams were playing, you know, the Phillies, the Braves. So all of those teams really will have a lot to make up before we get into the games. Let me ask you something. Is it a benefit or a problem now to have, you know, more games than days with these teams having pauses. What do you think is the risk? Is it starting pitching injuries? Is it hot streaks going cold? Or might it be a good thing because they get hot later on in the season and then keep on rolling? All these teams that have these pauses, is that a help or a hindrance? How are you looking at these teams like once they get back into action? Yeah, I mean, I I don't see how it really can be positive. Like, I, I tossed out a yeah. couple times the idea of, like, maybe you get a chance to kind of breathe and you get a chance to reset. But the way this season has gone, I, I mean, look, the injury bug has, has been real because it's not just a bug. But, like, James Paxson went out there and, you know, pretty much laid into this whole crazy restart that's been provided mm-hmm. to them and, and how much it lends itself to potential injury. So... You know, you look at it for, you know, again, a team like the Miami Marlins or the Phillies that have each only played 25 games, right? And you go, you know, now, not only, first of all, we've, you know, we've had players not show up because of COVID, but now we have to go out there. We've got people on on less rest. Like, it becomes increasingly difficult, I think, when you start missing games in that way. I think the only way it's good is if you are a team like the Yankees who kept tossing on a player after every game to the I.L. And now, you know, you hope the next time you're out there, you know, you've got your Aaron Judges and maybe your DJ LeMahieu's back. Yeah, no, I think that is a good point. And we do expect Aaron Judge to be activated off the IL for the New York Yankees whenever they happen to play another game. You know, Kev, uh, I like watching stuff on Sports Grid. They give you the edge all the time. I was watching FST with Craig Mish and Joe Pisapia yesterday, and Mish kind of made the same exact point. He said he's an insider. He talks to the Marlins. He had an agent on the show, and that's what he's hearing, that literally this start and stop, right? Like they had a little bit of spring training. Then they rest, in essence, for like four four months and then they have a quick ramp up to start the season like that's hard on the body it is not used it is not what these athletes who are creatures of habit and routine are getting into right and then for now a number of teams kev is starting to play games and then there's this random pause that they're not used to from everything from three days to almost three weeks with teams like miami so all the stops and starts make it hard to get into a rhythm and things like pulls and tears and tweaks and hamstrings and groins are going to happen but kev let's look at the nl east right because we can't make sense of it it's just like when percentage for goodness sakes but the miami marlins are still there above 500 they have won three in a row they did beat the mets the mets are there now as four games under 500 but as we have discussed all you got to do is be near 500 and you are in the playoff chase the marlins have won three in a row the mets have lost two in a row does those trends continue today i mean listen the mets are a joke no at home, you get swept by the Marlins in a doubleheader. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Do you know how hard it is to lose both games of a doubleheader? Very hard is the answer. Okay? And then at home, 
What a joke. I mean, this, uh, like, they, you look, DeGrom's on the mound today. I'm sure he'll pitch great. And I'm sure, you know, they'll probably win the game. Will I mm-hmm. ever look to back this team at, you know, well over minus 200 or whatever they're going to be listed at? No, not really uh, all that excited about it. Lay a run and a half. Who trusts them? It's just they're it's so ridiculous, man. For like and that's why, like, yes, like you're watching the game. Like if you're a Mets fan, they just crush your soul. Like you're just <laughs> sitting there, like you have it on in the background. It's two nothing. Like they didn't score yesterday. They had two games. They didn't right. score. Nah, I mean, listen, there are things certainly going wrong for the New York Metropolitans, whether it is injuries, whether it is poor Those play, whether boys. it is now starting Those to snowball. These are my boys? What do you mean these are my oh, boys? Oh, you love you the match. You love the match. This team stinks. This team stinks. Okay. I mean, I don't know why I love the Mets. I don't know what you're talking about. I am a Yankees fan. You know this. Coming into but the that's year, besides the point. You know it. You love this Mets team. You're like, you're right. Five right. Exactly. position. Yeah, and, and a lot of things have changed. I also talked snuck about out the back door, and you're like, I live in San Diego. Well, no. I, I was always on the fathers. You know, I was always on the fathers. I was high on them. And listen, I, part of that Mets early idea was the thing that, oh, Cespedes will get through 60 games. Not true. Uh, Marcus Stroman is still there as a legitimate number two. Not true. But I do want to turn our attention to other teams in this NL East because at the beginning of the season, Kev, another two teams that had interesting odds in that division were the Philadelphia Phillies and the Washington Nationals. And they are also under 500, both of them. The Phillies got to win 8-3 yesterday. JT Real Muto goes yard. I want to ask you this because all you need to do is get to 500, right? And it's not like the Nationals don't have this experience of getting out the gate slow and then maybe getting better. I know they don't have Steven Stroudsburg anymore, but Phillies, Nationals, right? Today and moving forward, Kev, which of these teams do you have more confidence can fix it and get back into contention? Because with a good week, Anybody can get back into contention today. Aaron Nola on the hill for the Phils, and he has been great. Maybe that's part of the reason why, even on the road, the Phillies are minus mm-hmm. 110 favorites, minus 104 coming back the other way with Washington. Patrick Corbin on the mound. No, I mean, look, to your point, right, the Phillies felt like an abomination for another five games in a row. Then they went two in a row, and now they sit in third in the division, and they're like, they got a right. chance to get. Like, this whole division is just a total mess. Like, as much as I'm, I'm ragging on the Mets, like, the whole division's a mess. Like, even the Braves. Like, I'm talking to you, too, sitting there at 16 and 12, which is fine. But it's like, you know, you'd be, like, two games up on the Giants, like, if you were in this. Like, I don't care. Right, right, right. Like, the whole, the whole thing's a mess. I really don't love betting on any of these teams. Like, who do you trust? Who, like, the, the Phillies are, are road favorites? No, thank you. But the Nationals? We've talked about why we wanted to fade that team all year. Maybe play over two decent offenses, but it's Corbin and Nola. I struggle here, Dane. I struggle here finding a way that I'd like to play this game. Um, For me, the most known quantity in this game, Kev, is Aaron Nola. Right. Um, so for me, I do believe Aaron Nola has been good. So for me, I would try to, like we were saying before, isolate some of the variables. Right. So to me, that's even riding with Nola in a first five kind of market where the Phillies are still plus one oh five. 
right? Or a Aaron Nola strikeout prop, potentially, because I remember he is fanning people left and right, right? Or maybe even going under in the total for the first five. But I would look to back Aaron Nola in a more isolated way, if possible. Does that make sense? I mean, it makes sense. Now, you know, he was pretty bad his last go around. So maybe he's now kind of going to come back because before that, he had three straight really, really nice performances. Corbin has not been all that excellent in his last couple of outings. He's been fine. Like that 3.99 ERA, about right. You know, where it's not, it's not mm-hmm. a four, about a four, you know? So uh, again, like it's just a game where who wants to trust either of these teams? I, I hear you, Kev, right? But, like, someone's got to win this NL East, right? And the funny part is yeah. they're going to keep playing each other, right? They are going to keep playing each other. This is what we know. And so we got to see out of within this division, which we thought was going to be a gauntlet to get, like, four teams in the playoffs, who is going to poke their head up? And can anybody of them beat the San Diego Fathers? I digress. Our guy Ken Stewart is back when we come back on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody. Here on the early line, I'm Dane Martinez. My main man, Kevin Walsh, is with me as always as we once again welcome back our radio audience from around the country, including as always the mightier 1090 out there on the West Coast. Thank you for waking up very early with us. We are still working to get our guy, um, the Raging Redhead, on our air. We're working to do that because we want to talk a little hockey. We want to talk a little bit of golf. So stay tuned for that as we get that all worked out but kev you know what's interesting before we when we were talking about the nl east right and you were like listen if any of these teams make a run have a good week they are right back in it and i think that's one of the points we were making overall heading into this baseball season right that's why for example we thought the trading deadline would be relatively quiet with it condensed everybody would still be in it and I do think there is no better example of that than when we are seeing right now out west with the San Francisco Giants, Kevin. The Giants have now won seven in a row. At one point, you know, last week, they were kind of like an also-ran, okay? They were literally with one of the worst records in Major League Baseball. They go on this streak seven in a row. They're now only one game under 500. And as we have said, if you are one game under 500, you are live in the eight-team playoff chase in the national league they got the job done 10 to 8 yesterday against the dodgers the best team in baseball and kev when i talk about charlie blackman you talk about dj lemayhew don't forget about this kid solano for uh san francisco right he is also in the high 300s and it was solano with a game winning extra inning home run to get the job done against the dodgers they renew their rivalry today can the giants keep their winning ways going so i look at this game and and i think about kind of where we looked for the edge yesterday and um we mentioned a little tough here right because giants are playing such good baseball do you really want to lay minus 200 with the dodgers but you expect them to win but we identified that total as potentially a good play for the over because the giants have been doing their part they've been scoring but the reason there were a couple of unders that had cashed was because they came up against the Diamondbacks who couldn't score to save their lives. And he said, as long as, well, 
The Giants seemingly will do their part. The, the Dodgers, you know, will do their part. And you get 18 runs. Now, not every game is going to be that easy. But if you take a look at the Giants, I mean, they have been playing at their home ballpark. Like, so these three last games at home to the D-backs were three of the four times they had a game go under at home. That's 15 mm. games. So outside of that three-game set with Arizona, 10-1-1 one, and one to the over in that ballpark. Especially if you played it yesterday, let's not mess around here and let's go back to an over. Okay, fair enough. You're comfortable going back to the over, which is a little bit lower today. It is at eight and a half. And standing on the mound for the Dodgers is a name you know, Mr. Kershaw. You're still cool with going over here? Yeah, listen, I mean, at the end of the day, we could see a, you know, 12-1 Dodgers win, right? But, like, this sure. is as good as Kershaw has looked, right? The Giants have been very good offensively. Like, and we just, we, you know, like, like, that's what it is. Might they get shut down mm -hmm. today? Yes. But this is now, a, I mean, this is a team that's sat there in third in this division. Going to try and make a push for a postseason spot. I know, it's crazy, right? Like, just remember that sentence you just said out loud, right? And yeah. <laughs> there you go, right? Like, that is 2020 in a nutshell. You mentioned that the Arizona Diamondbacks can't score any runs as we stay in that division. They didn't score enough runs to get the job done yesterday either. They went down 5-4 to the Colorado Rockies. Nolan Arenado with two doubles really bringing the offense for the Rockies because Charlie Blackman did not. He goes 0-3, dips below 400 for the season, you know, still about 30 games for him to try to get back above that level. But as we said, it is not an easy thing to do, Kev, right? So um, how do you think about this game breaking out? Nine and a half is the total, not in Colorado. It's in Arizona. John Gray on the bump for the Rockies. Robbie Ray answering back for the Diamondbacks. I bring this up because Colorado is another one of those teams right there at 500 in a playoff push, now facing the division rival in this one. Look, we've done well in this uh, series to start for two games. Let's hope to make it a third and play it under again. The D-backs are an under, under, under team uh, right now, and so are the Rockies yeah. when they're not playing at Coors. Absolutely. And the Diamondbacks have lost seven in a row. Let's see if other teams in that NL West can get healthy off of them. However, Kev, now we turn our attention to the NHL playoffs and we do that with our friend of the show, Cam Stewart. We bring him in every Wednesday to talk golf and we will do that as well. But we know that the Raging Redhead is all about the NHL, all about the hockey playoffs. So we would be remiss if we didn't ask him about that as well. So we bring in Cam Stewart now here on the early line. Thanks for waking up early with us, Cam. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good, guys. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a great day. We got afternoon action again. I really, really miss the afternoon hockey. And we got the Islanders in Philly. And the way things are going, Kev's dad will never invite me down to that basement because I got futures <laughs> on the New York Islanders when I was down in Vegas. I remember when they beat Washington, me and actually the sports book director where I was staying at the Sun Coast and my buddy Brian Blessing, who does a hockey show, he covers the nights down in Vegas. We just watched the Islanders game and they pounded Washington at the time. Ironically, they play each other in the playoffs and I go, damn, this team looked good. Then they went on a bad streak, but I got to tell you something. That first game, the Islanders, Philadelphia, they came out flying in the second period, but the Islanders very, very calm. This is a team that always is in their lane. They block shots. And here's the thing, guys. 
Everyone talks about Semyon Barlamov. I want to talk, everyone talks about Carter Hart. I want to talk about Semyon Barlamov. The guy is back-to-back shutouts. That is unbelievable. Mm. So the Islanders are not getting credit. They used to be the worst defensive team in the league when Barry Trotz came over. When you go from like 30th to first, you're doing amazing work. This team does. All they need is a little bit of a crack. That's the thing about the New York Islanders, transition play. And uh, I'll tell you, Philadelphia actually played a good game in the second period. They are horrible in the first, dominated the second. Varlamov made the saves. Islanders get that first goal, and I told you, they're like a python, just squeezing and squeezing the life out of you. They play great with a lead. Hey, Kim, I want to ask you, because I look at the three games on the slate today in the NHL, right? And I see Boston and Tampa. But I yeah. saw Boston and Tampa yesterday as yes. well. Let me ask <laughs> yes. you about this. Am I am I weird? Is it weird here? Because they're all in the bubble in the NBA. I see them alternating days. We don't have back to backs. Is this an anomaly in the NHL playoffs as well? And if so, how does that factor into the way you view this game, whether it be the total or the side? Is it weird that they're playing back to back? Dane, I got to tell you something. Not really weird because even before okay. COVID, they'd have one day off. Remember when the NBA used to have like three days? Hockey oh, yeah, like for the television for, schedule like, and stuff. These, right. guys, these guys are basically Vikings with skates on. Like they just, they're animals. <laughs> I don't know what they do. Or I'll tell you something. If I was ever in big trouble in a bar fight, me, you, and Kev went out there and somebody got lippy, I'd want an NHLer to, to have our backs because these guys, I don't, I don't know how they do it. They played an overtime game last night. Let, let's remember, though, it ended quickly in overtime with Tampa Bay scoring. These guys are going right back at it. I'm going to have to say advantage mm-hmm. Tampa Bay. If you look at Tampa Bay in the situation, they, their star players are a lot younger. Look at Boston's. Marchand, who's playing amazing right now. Mm-hmm. God, he's brilliant. Bergeron, all these guys. Zdeno Chara, the big giant. All their guys are savvy veterans. I'm not sure if the back-to-back is going to help them more than the younger legs of Tampa Bay. Um, Boston has a propensity to come back in games, too. You saw the late goal. But Tampa Bay really got it done in overtime. Uh, you know, me and Marenzi de- defer on this series. I still think Tampa Bay can mm. beat Boston. I'll give him credit. He was on mm. uh, on Vancouver last night. I I chickened out just the plus one and a half. But I will say this. I really think Tampa Bay understood how important that win was. And I think they can take advantage and go up two to one today. I like the Bolts. And let me ask you specifically with that spot there, because I, I was, you know, doing in-game live yesterday and uh, it was 2-2 in the third and we were looking at it and basically for the game to go into an overtime period was plus 130. Obviously, you run the risk if a team scores. But I kind of made the point, I go, if you look at how this game is going right now, they just keep trading. So even if one of them does get goal number three, it's quite possible the other team does. Is this a a game, and I know we'll talk about it tonight, Cam, on in-game live, that is perfect for in-game live, and you just bet the team at plus money that's down a goal? It's an excellent point, Kev. Remember the last time we were on in-game live, uh, I got the Montreal Canadiens close to 5-1 to one when they won that uh, game versus the Flyers. They took two in the series, and I told you, this was just insane to me, the numbers we were getting for the underdog. I agree. Tampa Bay understands one thing. They can't get behind more than one goal against Boston or their toast. So they are very, They played like a desperate team. You said it. Boston scored. Tampa Bay scored. Tampa Bay also had some very bad puck luck last night. They had a goal disallowed, which I totally disagreed with. I thought it was a clean goal under the crossbar. A lot of bad calls went against them, but they persevered through that, and I think that's going to make them tough. They've been known as playoff chokers, and that's something that John Cooper, the coach, and the rest of the team doesn't want to have uh, them attached to. Uh, Kucherov, one of the best players in the league and on Tampa Bay, also showed signs of life. That's bad news for the Bruins. 
I'm not sure what's going to happen with Ryan McDonough on the back end tonight, but if he plays, that's even better for, for the Bolts. This is a very, very tight series, Kev, so I, I do agree with that. When a team goes down one, look to get both teams at plus money, and we could be in that situation tonight. It's going to be a great game. These guys were absolutely killing each other yesterday. Hey, Kim, we only got a minute, so maybe we'll talk a little bit more about this over the, uh, yeah. on the other side of the break. But this last one, you know, Colorado and Dallas, correct me if I'm wrong, Dallas is up 2 nothing in the <laughs> series. But are. yet I see Colorado as favorites in this game and moving forward. So I want to understand that a little bit better. Tell me why the team that's down 2-0 is still favored. Well, Colorado is the favorite in the series. They're down 2 nothing. Okay. They lose this game. They're basically done. Let's call desperation. We'll talk even more about it, but I like the Avs tonight. Okay, and, and thank you for that, because I got to understand this a little bit better. All right, so what? that's what we will do. We will take a quick break. We got to pay some bills. When we come back, we're going to ask Cam about that also. So would it be different? If they were like now down 2-0 and going on the road in a normal situation, because they're yes. just staying in the bubble, we'll talk that and golf when we come back with the Raging Redhead right here on the early line. That's what we do. Put the fun and functional sports content and you the edge. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody. Here on the early line, we got friend of the show, our guy, the raging redhead, Cam Stewart. We're going to talk a little bit about golf as well. But, Cam, I wanted to ask you this about hockey. Because Kevin and I have noted, now in some of these series, how it's an interesting spot, right? You've had one where, like, oh, a team might be down 3-1, but going back home for game five, you know, or going back home for game three. And in this situation, I think it's interesting, right, because the underdog stars are up 2-0. In a normal situation, they'd be going home also, right? And, and have their fans waving the towels, maybe a boost of energy to try to keep it going, right? And keep the neck, the, your foot on the neck of the favorite, right? This is just in the same old bubble, in the same old hotel rooms, with the same old routine, where maybe the cream will rise at the top and the true talent will come through. Do you think Colorado has a better chance of coming back because these games are in the bubble instead of the normal series and the travel? Actually, Dane, I'm going to take a different approach there. I think okay. Dallas, if they were at home, would be so fired up Pressure. in the game, up two to nothing, and I watch a lot of hockey, that's a detriment to them. Hmm. It's a detriment because they're going to do something stupid. Play for the crowd, make a mistake. Hmm. Think about, wow, we could be up 3 nothing in the bubble. It's less of that. You just go out there and do your thing. As for Colorado, I think they're favored. You look at the numbers because of the goaltending situation. The books might have overreacted a bit. Pavel Francouz is not Grubauer, but he's still a pretty good goalie. What happened in that game, game, uh, game two? Colorado was up two to nothing. The Dallas Stars got a five on three, scored two goals in like 30 seconds, and then they scored two more after that while Colorado was still in, in shell shock mode. Colorado's still a better team, but Dallas, this is the thing about Dallas. Radulov, Sagan, veterans, good. Rallying around their goaltender. Bishop's out, one of the best goalies in the league. Hudobin came in versus Calgary, very shaky in his first couple games, got better as it progressed. The Colorado Avalanche have lost to the Dallas Stars every game this year, too. I don't know what's going on with these guys. Some teams just have mm. other teams' numbers, but I'm not going out like that. 
Colorado is one of the best teams in the league. They understand what they have to do. They have to play better. They're still sloppy, and they got to help their backup goaltender. It's a shorter price. Give me the avalanche today. But, man, I've been the president of the Dallas Stars fan club. I bet them every game against Calgary. Now I'm getting off the train, and uh, that's probably not a very good decision. But I like Calgary. I like like Colorado today. (laughs) Uh, Cam, I want to ask you uh, about some of these games and how it can pertain to the series price as well. Because the Stars is one good example where, you know, they're dogs in these games, but now with 2-0 lead, they're big favorites. Minus 300 to win the series. The avalanche are plus 235 to come back in this series. But with a 2-0 lead, I get it. The Islanders going up to minus 194 to FanDuel Sportsbook, and the Flyers now at plus 160, with only a one-game lead. To me, it feels maybe a little high, but maybe I'm off. What do you think about the fact that the Flyers still favored in these games, probably will be considering there's no home court, uh, home ice rather, favored in all these games, about how it impacts the series price? It's interesting, though, Kev. If you look at the lines, take a look at what Philly is. They're not a true one seed. If they were playing the mm-hmm. Islanders, they'd be about a buck fifty, a buck fifty-five, maybe even sixty. It's one twenty. The books understand how good the Islanders are in the style of hockey that they play, and they're very similar teams. The only difference is, I would say, the Islanders have are a little bit deeper, and Philadelphia, when it comes to, they're a little bit bigger. That, that's all it is. They can kind of wear you down over the series. The Islanders would be best to go up in the series and end it in five or six. If it goes to seven, I don't, I'm not sure how that's going to go down. But I will say this. Colorado at that price, that's a good price. So if you like Colorado tonight and you're getting the plus 240, whatever the line is, like you bet this and you have to attach it with your bet tonight. Then you're down mm-hmm. two to one. And this is a whole new series. I will say this. I have the Islanders, futures on the Islanders. But that Philadelphia at that price, you'd have to, like, you have to, if you're betting Philadelphia, you have to do that too. You're tied at one and you're getting a team at almost a two to one dog that you had to lay juice when the series started. These series are not going to be, you know, sweeps. There's ebbs and flows. You saw what happened with Boston and Tampa Bay. Uh, even Vancouver. Vancouver on was plus 200, I think, on FanDuel last night. Like, everybody and their mother put Vegas, the old parlay killer. How does Vegas, <laughs> how does Vegas lose to Vancouver? <laughs> well, it's very simple. Vancouver got embarrassed. They came out and scored a goal seven seconds into the game and punched them in the face. That's what happened. And Vegas went, whoa, whoa. And Vancouver just kept their foot on the throttle. These are very good hockey teams. If you could find plus money in series, especially with ones that you guys liked before, that is the way to attack it. You get great value, and it's it's just a smart thing to do. Let's think about the bubble, Dane, too. You talked about a good point. Teams tapping out. In the NBA, we saw Philadelphia, see ya. You know, they got their bags packed. They're, if they they're were home in Philly in game four, three and four against Boston, I don't know that that would have been a sweep. I don't know if Brad I Brown agree. still has a job. I agree. You know, so these things matter. Yes. And I, I know a professional gambler, a guy that uh, used to, you know, I've known him for a long period of time. He does it for a living. He quit his job and he gambles. That was the angle. Back in the day, mm-hmm. you guys know that home team that's getting smoked early, they usually take one yep. game. They take that one home game. See you later, fans. We'll take the plus money. Like Philadelphia was in that situation. Indiana could have been in that situation. Mm -hmm. Let's give the Denver Nuggets credit. They came back and battled. They could have tapped out. But for the most part, in hockey, it's different than basketball. I'm finding this bubble. It's just in basketball, when you're down like 3-0, 3-1, I think you tend to check out a little bit quicker. 
All right, fair enough, Cam. Let's turn our attention to golf with the time that we do have left. And listen, the FedEx playoffs are underway, right? And I think yep. that's the important thing here. I want to ask you about that context. We did it uh, last week as well. It's almost like in soccer when you're playing the second leg of an aggregate home and home. You have yes. to understand the bigger context of the bet. So here's what I'm looking for, Cam. Tell me if this exists. Because I know here in the BMW Championship, we're going from 70 down to 30. So call me crazy, but what I'm looking for, Cam, is a guy who right now is like seated in like 34th, 37th, right? And is an aggressive player that the course happens to profile for because that guy knows he's got a push, is going to be aggressive, and it may profile for him to, you know, benefit that guy to actually be successful going for it to get within the top 30. A, does that make sense? And B, are there any guys that fit that description, Cam? Excellent question, and it's a deep one. By the way, I only think a few. I, I'm, I'm going to li literally say I think about six or seven golfers only can win this week. Olympia Fields <laughs> okay. is one of the mm. toughest courses. No, but Dane, but to your point, you were right though. Guys are going to have to have positive finishes to to get in there. I'm not saying they I'm not going to take these guys. I will look for them in matchup bets and top twenties. Mm. The two guys that I like as underdogs: Louis Ustazen. He needed a birdie on 18 last week to get in. I love Louie. He's a very underrated golfer. He's also, uh, people on FanDuel know he's good. I saw 80 to 1 before. I think he's down to 60 or 65. So people in the know are like, this guy, I, I like him. And I'll tell you something. When you get in at 69, he needs another good week to get to the Tour Championship. He's motivated. That's a guy that mm. I like in matchup bets. Not going to say he's going to win, but a top 10 and 20, yes. Alex Noren, mm. another guy that's playing really, really well. He needs a good week. And he's been like top 10, he's been a top 10 machine, but falling under the radar because of the Dustin Johnson story. Dustin Johnson right. won by 11 strokes last week. That's all the press. You got to look at the guys who need, who need good finishes, can slip in to top 30, get into the tour championship at East Lake, and then do some damage. But I will say this, guys, off the top of my head, Rom, DJ, DeChambeau, Thomas. One of those guys is winning this week. I can't take them. Mm. Dustin Johnson is plus 750 on FanDuel. I'll wait for a live line. And my favorite bet this week, I know a lot of people are just automatically going to Dustin for what he did. John Rahm has won here as an amateur. He knows Olympia Fields. He's 10 to 1. He lost his number one ranking. He will be motivated. He's my pick this week. If I could take one guy, it's John Rahm. He's 10 to 1, but I'm only betting three guys off the top and playing it live. I don't have enough units. It's a 69-man field. Webb Simpson just backed out. Rom at 10, Berger at 20, and our boy Louie at 60. That's, that's what I'm doing, and I'm looking at Norin and Louie in matchup bets against other turkeys. Let me ask you, Cam, about this, this top spot here, though. Mm -hmm. Because of the condensed field, I understand why you're going to wait for the live line. But is it fair that DJ is priced at plus 750? Because for me, this is jarring. This is comfortably, I think, the shortest favorite that we've seen when it comes to these tournaments that we've broken down each week. At Dane Martinez, Kevin Walsh, and Cam Stewart Sportsbook, I make him five to one. That's how crazy. Wow. It's actually a, it's actually a great price. What I saw Dustin wow. Johnson do last week, guys, it was it was almost clinical. Tiger Woods in his prime, the 2000 uh, U.S. Mm. Open, it was unbelievable. He didn't miss fairways. He, he lapped the field. He won a PGA event with the best players in the world by 11 strokes. John Rahm played well, but I'm just telling you, that's why the books had to do this. Dustin Johnson can do this again. If he's motivated and has that putter going and doesn't miss fairways at this course, he will win again. But I like John, John Rahm and him. To me, it's a two-horse race. Those are the guys that I like the best. And John Rahm, I'm getting a little bit more with. But I'm telling you, Kev, 
that would have been like five, six to one, plus seven fifty at FanDuel's five. I've seen I've seen him at other places plus five fifty six. Wow. Like it, it, it's <laughs> just he did that well last week, and people are going to go back to him. Sometimes golf, you can ride out a streak for three or four weeks. Fair enough, Kev. Hey, one last question from me. Um, and we've mm-hmm. talked about the context of the, the FedEx points and things of that nature. Talk to me about this course itself. Okay, I ask you all the time about this. Is this the bomber course? Yep. Is this the fairways and greens and regulation kind of course? Is everyone in play? But it sounds like you're talking about the big boys, right? The Brysons, the DJs, the Roms, the big hitters. Is that the way this course profiles? It is. And the course is about 7,400 yards. But you have to remember, <clears> some <throat> of those 7,400-yard courses are par 72s. This is a par 70. That means they're long par fours. That's a problem for the short ball hitters. That's why you got to take Rom, DJ, all these guys. Also, fairways thin, rough, lush, tough greens. It will play like a major. Sorry, I like a lot of these small ball hitters or be there for a while, but they'll get worn out. That's why you got to take the horses and DJ and Rom. They'll just, you know, they can just hit it big. They can hit stingers off the tee. They don't have to play driver. They can play long irons and hybrids and still get to where guys are hitting their driver. I like a big ball hitter this week. Those are the guys. I'm telling you, Dane, watch out. DJ could, okay. DJ might do it again. Rom's my guy, but all no, big I ball like hitters Rom. and other people like you Justin Rom Thomas, and I can't argue with that. Rom having hey, experience me, at this course is real interesting for me. Sorry, Kev. No, no good. I just want to quickly make sure I ask you, though, Cam, right? Because, you know, sometimes you don't want to, uh, with the shorter odds, with the big favorites. But how do you feel about these guys with the finishing position? I mean, you know, yep. DJ minus 135 for top 10, Rom minus 105, DeChambeau, and JT at plus 125. Are those good bets? Yes, 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 and yes. <laughs> those are all guys. Excellent. Kev, I'm going to tell you, I think probably out of that, at worst, you'll go three and one. That, that's what mm. I'm feeling. I'm telling you, it's like a big that. boys track. Olympia Fields is a major course playing at the BMW. Some of these other players are going to get overwhelmed. You do have to keep it straight, but you want to be a big ball hitter, a guy who hit it over 300 yards. So all those guys, Kev, I love them. Top 10s. Yeah, the top 20s are going to be too much juice. So, yes, top 10s. All right. Well, thanks, Cam. You know, next week, we're going to be excited to have you back on as well when we're getting into the championship. You're going to need to explain to me how dudes can tee off on Thursday already at minus three. So I need you to help me out with that one next week. We'll keep talking to you about the NHL playoffs as they roll along as well. But as always, Cam, thank you for spending a couple of minutes with us here on the early line. Thanks, Dane. And I'll see you, Kevin Walsh, at 8 p.m. That's right. After GTD. Have a good one, fellas. Can't wait. Thanks, Kevin. You know, I, I feel like a jilted lover. You guys have your own little inside jokes without me and stuff. I feel bad. Like, I want to be part of the crew as well. But that's okay. Y'all do your thing. Just make sure if you find a locked, stone cold winner, you text your boy at the same time so I can get down. But, of course, thank you to Cam. We love having him in the Raging Redhead. He's been helping us with hockey and with golf. We've got a lot of stuff going on. Remember, don't forget also to vote on our poll about the kind of hardest accomplishment in Major League Baseball after Lucas Giolito had the first no-hitter of the condensed season last night, along with a great strikeout outing. Hopefully you had him in DFS yesterday. We tie a nice, neat little bow on this episode of The Early Line when we come right back after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 
Welcome back in, everybody, right here on the early line where we give you the edge, as does every show on the Sports Grid Network. And up after us is the morning after. And so we are lucky to be joined by our homegirl, Ariel Epstein. And Ariel, I got to ask you something. I know you are all over Shane Bieber, by the way. He went over his strikeout prop yesterday. You could have bet that one as well. But not to be outdone, Lucas Giolito with 13 strikeouts and the first no-hitter of this condensed season. Like, I didn't think anybody was going to pitch a no-hitter because I didn't think anybody was going to go more than five innings based on the ways the managers were talking going into the season. But I want to ask you our poll question that we have up right now. Which do you think is the harder accomplishment in Major League Baseball? To throw a no-hitter, like Lucas Giolito did, to hit for the cycle, like we've almost had but hasn't come through so far, hitting three homers in one game, which would take a Herculean effort, but these days everybody hits home runs, or to steal home, which people don't really do anymore. Which do you think is the hardest to do as we tip our cap to Lucas Giolito's effort last night? That is a fully loaded question. I yeah, would girl. have to probably say, can can we add perfect game in there? Because I think I would. Well, here's the thing: game over no hitter. Because here's the thing, right? Because by <laughs> definition, a perfect game is harder than a no hitter. So we didn't want to have a poll where there was an actual answer area. <laughs> uh, I would have to say that we definitely. Hmm, I would say we probably see less no hitters than we do of the cycle. Okay. Would be my guess. Uh, I think that they're both very hard to do. I think we just saw someone steal home or try to steal home in an Orioles game yeah. a few weeks ago. Um, but we have seen I it. definitely think that the no hitter is something for me that's the biggest accomplishment of the three. I think the cycle's really awesome, and I know I remember mm-hmm. Mickey Cabrera doing it years ago. But well, fair um, enough. I just, and fifty percent of the people agree with you, Ariel, that no yeah. hitter is the hardest one. And I know you guys are gonna have a great show on TMA coming up, including here it's Walsh Wednesday, so keep it locked for that. The morning after is up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.